Thank you for choosing Raising Foodies, the Babies podcast series launched in 2022. At Babies, we believe the weaning journey for your little ones should be fun and enjoyable to encourage them to have a positive relationship with food. We produce food for babies and our ingredients are 100% organic with no added salt, sugar or preservatives. Our range is veg-led with a variety of fantastic flavours. Available direct from our website or selected supermarkets. Hello and welcome to Raising Foodies, a podcast from babies and myself, Catherine Lipp, registered nutritionist and specialist in infant and early childhood nutrition. This podcast is here to provide you with evidence-based weaning advice and offer a helping hand to any parent who is embarking on the wonderful weaning journey. I'm delighted to be joined by our special guest, Midwife Pip, who is an experienced practicing midwifery sister, MSc graduate, founder of Midwife Pip podcast, hypnobirth and antenatal educator, co-author of published research and qualified pre and postnatal exercise trainer, a mummy MOT practitioner, and most importantly, a mum. Pip is on a mission to ensure that all expectant mums feel like superwomen during pregnancy and when they give birth. And Pip believes passionately that with the right support, honest and evidence-based information, all births should be positive regardless of any twists and turns that may crop up. And it's this ethos and relentless passion that has led Pip to set up her Instagram account at Midwife Pip and to create her fantastic range of pregnancy and postnatal education and fitness courses, which you can find at Midwife pip.com so welcome pip hi thanks for having me i'm very excited to come on and sorry that my introduction says midwife pip so much (laughs) that's good that's getting the brand across isn't it we know exactly who you are yeah thanks for having me I know that you've had a, a really fantastic um, and interesting weaning experience with your little one. Um, and so we're going to kind of use this episode as a chance for you to share your experience mm. um, of, of weaning with your little one, Finn, isn't it? Yeah, so little Finley. He's now, he's now 21 months, which is insane. I don't know where that time goes. Um, but yeah, a little 21-month-old foodie is our little Finley. Oh, amazing. So you have been through the weaning journey with him and was weaning kind of what you expected with Finn? Yeah, good question. Um, Was it what I expected? Definitely not. I just thought that it would be really linear um, and turns out it isn't, is it? It's very much up and down and one day is very different to the next day and especially as they start to get older and especially at the moment Finley is very aware that he has choices in life and wants to exert those and I think food really kind of plays into that doesn't it in terms of that decision making control that they're suddenly recognizing and so yeah there's definitely been challenges and hurdles that I'm sure to people listening will be common themes in their weaning journey too but on the whole it has been quite fun and exciting and messy so messy it does get messy doesn't it and actually that's one thing that I always say to parents you know mess is good we're very precious about keeping mess and you know to to a minimum and making sure that 
everything stays tidy and you know we don't want a lot of cleanup work to do on top of everything else but I really try to emphasize that with parents that actually weaning should be messy should be fun table manners will come much much later on you know we want kids to get stuck into their food with all of their senses it's not just about what goes in and comes out the other end but I think we tend to focus on that as parents don't we because it's that parental pressure to feed and monitor how much goes in but there's so much that babies will learn from playing making a mess with their food exploring it with all of their senses so it's really great to embrace that yeah, and that, that part of the sorry Kathy, I'll say that that pressure actually is is a massive factor I think in weaning and we are notorious as mums especially with something new like when you do get to that six month mark and start introducing solids we are notorious as women at comparing and I think in motherhood that really adds to that kind of pressure um, and I think it might it might have been you actually on my podcast or when or when I saw you at the baby show that mentioned that actually if they eat anything in that initial phase that's great but if they don't that literally doesn't matter um, it's all about exploring if anything goes near their mouth incredible that's a bonus but actually just by them touching and playing that's like 90% of what you're actually trying to achieve to start with and I think just having that in the back of your mind really takes the pressure off absolutely it does yeah you're absolutely right and it's interesting you talk about that pressure as well because I think you know also at the moment there's so much weaning information out there and we all feel like we should really be kind of you know following it by the book and doing the right thing and following weaning planners and things like that so how easy Pip did you find it to navigate all of that information that's out there and to kind of filter through some of that mm. to understand what it, it is that you want to do with Finley? Yeah it's a good question so nutrition and food is a really important part of our family life my husband and I love food we're really into health and wellness and the research about gut microbiome and I think in some way that put more pressure on me because I was doing more research because I really wanted to get it right and lay those foundations although my husband did keep telling me that they're all going to end up at the same kebab shop pit after uni so try not to pressure too much um which is probably very valid but uh you can only do what you can try right but yeah I definitely found it really difficult and and I think there's a lot of mixed messaging in terms of marketing as well, because lots of the baby food that we see marketed at children is stuff like pureed strawberries and mashed banana um, and yogurt based stuff, which they tend to naturally love because who doesn't love sweet things, right? Um, that's very easily, you know, eaten. It's very liquid. It's very simple. And then and then when you start researching and, and more up to date nutritional information and the sort of information that people like you give out, that actually perhaps we need to start with more sour taste, more vegetables, finger foods, a mixture of purees and finger foods. Because that's another thing, isn't it? It's like, do we do purees? Do we do finger foods? Have we just got to choose one or the other? So actually navigating what works for you. And there is obviously there's no right and wrong. But the approach that that we took with Finley in the end was that we gave him some finger foods foods of whatever it was they say broccoli um some steamed broccoli and then a pureed version so that he could we kind of did a bit of both um and we did do some spoon feeding I know some people like that some people don't but we just found doing a mixture for us worked the best it took some of that pressure off um and that's what we kind of like so we did a little bit of playing with food but also we tried to then get a little bit of that taste actually in his mouth um, but it's really it's really frustrating, isn't it, to start with? And even sometimes now, you you prepare this beautiful meal that you think, you know, they're going to love and it's packed full of all this goodness. And it ends up in their hair and on the floor. Um, <laughs> and it's so 
infuriating. Yep. Or like their favorite <laughs> thing one day, you buy loads of it because they loved it. And then the next day they're like, that's disgusting. Like it is infuriating, isn't it? And we just have to kind of take a breath, I think, and ride that wave. And, and I always said to myself that no well baby, you know, that has plenty of opportunity to eat is going to intentionally starve themselves. So if he hasn't really eaten much for lunch, don't worry about it. At dinner, he'll probably make up for it rather than then go, oh, okay, I'll give you mashed banana because you haven't eaten your broccoli and chicken. Um, because that's such a temptation, isn't it? We want them to be full because we think then they'll sleep and they'll be happy. And it's, um, it's a difficult one. And I think just knowing that there is no right or wrong is so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really positive attitude to take because, you know, again, one of the things that I will often say to parents is that there's never a wasted meal time. So even if it feels like they haven't eaten anything and you've cooked this delicious meal and it's all, you know, made from scratch or whatever else, you've got all these aspirations and you've achieved that. And then they just play with it and stick it in their hair and throw it on the floor. It can it can feel so disheartening and you feel so deflated. But actually, there's always something positive to take from that experience too so great you know they stuck their hands in it they squished it between their fingers they smelt it they touched it they experienced that texture and there's there's such a sensory process to eating that we completely overlook and as parents I think you know and this applies to older children too we we think of eating as a two-step process we think they will sit down and they eat. And that's it. One, two. But actually, there are so many sensory steps before we get to that very end goal of eating. And so what I'm often trying to do with parents and particularly, you know, with with um, families who might have a, a bit of a picky eater or a fussy eater, I'm always trying to look at, you know, OK, but let's have a look at what they did achieve in that meal time. And yes, they touched the food. Fantastic. That's actually really high up that sensory process to eating. So there's always, always a positive to take from it. And I know it can feel really disheartening when they don't eat. But, you know, you, you, even just sitting and looking at the food, the exposure or watching you eat the food, you know, that role modeling is really, really powerful as well. So it's hard when you when you end up wasting food. But there is there are still many, many positives to take from that. So, yeah, definitely. it's uh, it's great that you've got that attitude attitude towards it. That's really fantastic. Um, and, and one thing I did want to touch on in this podcast with you, Pip, and, and maybe this draws a little bit on your kind of expertise around feeding and things as well, um, is that something I get asked a lot by parents is how to kind of navigate um, the feeding milk feeding versus weaning and particularly when it comes to reducing milk feeds and for mums who are breastfeeding um you know how we kind of when we reduce those breastfeeds is there a better way to do that is there much evidence based behind that how do we kind of stop things like breast engorgement when we're reducing breastfeeds I know a lot of mums kind of perhaps around the time that they're weaning or they're a few weeks or months into weaning and they're thinking about returning to work so that's another thing that sort of comes into play with in terms of thinking about reducing breastfeeds do you have any advice or tips in terms of managing that yeah of course I think when it comes to, to breastfeeding like you said we want to prevent engorgement so what's a really a really inappropriate approach to take is to decide right we're weaning tomorrow so I'm not going to feed for like the, the morning because your your body doesn't know that change has happened so it's still going to produce that milk so it's really making sure that we're super gradual and gentle in that approach 
Now, some babies will continue to have the same number of breastfeeds that they were having alongside eating solids. And naturally, you may just find that those breastfeeds, maybe they were 20 minutes and they start to become 15 minutes or 10 minutes. Um, some mums may gradually start to, once weaning's a little bit more established and their baby is actually consuming some solids, is start to do things like in the morning, maybe they'll give some breakfast and then a breastfeed so that their baby take when they're hungry they'll take more of that food and then have the breastfeed kind of as a top up so it's working with your baby and what they what their needs are at the moment in this really hot weather breastfed babies are probably going to breastfeed more because breast milk is so much more than just nutrition and it's a great source of hydration and your breast milk will adapt Likewise, when your baby's poorly, they're probably going to breastfeed much more. And we don't want to ignore that. We want to keep keep that going because it is so powerful for, for those that are still breastfeeding through that weaning stage. But definitely being really, really gradual. And for mums that find perhaps their babies are going a little bit quicker through that weaning from breastfeeding than perhaps their milk supply. And often when mums return to work and babies are in childcare settings, sometimes that does suddenly start to accelerate. Um, I myself actually got mastitis at about... 10 months postnatal when Finley decided he'd sleep through the night for the first time and he'd been feeding like two or three times and all of a sudden it was like oh my gosh and um, that's a really long really long time and a really big transition for so for those mums doing things like a bit of gentle hand expressing just to take off the excess milk so we're not trying to encourage the supply if your baby's naturally weaned but just to take off that excess to prevent that engorgement and to make sure you're comfortable but definitely gentle and slowly is the, is the best approach for mums and for babies. Yeah, okay, that's great. That's really good advice. And I guess, you know, a lot of that comes into play with things like responsive feeding. So, you know, like you say, when baby's feeling unwell or they're teething and they want a bit more of that comfort, that the food that they're familiar with, which often means breast milk, you know, then we sort of have to adapt to that. So I, I suppose, you know, the body is quite naturally used to fluctuations and there's nothing more erratic, is there, than a, an infant's appetite. And it, it, we do have to just feed on demand. So it's, it's kind of listening to your body. And I guess if you're feeling engorged and baby's not demanding it, like you say, just taking a bit of the pressure off by hand expressing Absolutely. just to relieve relieve that pressure and try to Im- avoid that engorgement avoid mastitis because that's not oh, nice is it so much. and actually that you know that fluctuation reminds me of where we are at the moment with Finley so he was a bit unwell over the weekend um, and although he's completely back to his usual self his appetite was just just minute like for three days he, he basically ate nothing Um, but he so he's not breastfed anymore he's on cow's milk and so he's been asking for loads and loads of cow's milk he does a bit of sign language so he's been asking for that so even usually he has sort of two glasses two little cups of cow's milk a day but he's probably having about five Um, so even as they get older you know responding to their appetite when we're poorly we might not have a much of an appetite but we may be more thirsty or we may just want our our favorite comfort um, or, or ice cream in my case um, so, and and because they can't communicate that, can they? So being responsive in that way, it really continues for life, I think. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's going back to what you said at the beginning, weaning for you, and I don't think it is for anybody, it's not a linear process. 
um, you know, regardless of illness and teething and things anyway, but you throw all of those things into the mix and you get this very erratic sort of behavior with feeding. And, and it is important just to kind of listen and respond to those cues, isn't it? It's almost like, you know, once, once, once we've weaned and they're on three meals a day, it doesn't mean that they're always going to be eating the same amount each day. Um, and actually, you know, I say this a lot to parents as well children are very good at knowing their own appetites and that's one of the reasons why there are no such thing as evidence-based portion size guides when it comes to a weaning diet and you know we've got another episode um, on this Raising Foodies podcast about portion sizes and how much to feed but and it's a question that I always get asked and I think you know this is part of our nature perhaps as parents is you know we want numbers we want you know how many teaspoons of this how many grams how many milliliters and it just doesn't exist and I think that can be really hard for us to grasp but it is very much just about responding to those cues Um, every baby will be different and it will fluctuate so much depending on what's going on for that little one. So it's it's uh, it's worth sort of knowing and understanding that children will feed to satisfy their energy intake, you know, and that gut and that brain communication pathway. I know you've been doing a lot of, of, of reading and you've got a lot of interest around this area, haven't you? Um, but, you know, that's a really clear communication pathway. So their body, their little bodies know what they need. And we just have to respond to those appetite cues and, and make sure that we're feeding the right nutrition that they're in charge of the how much basically and it's, it's a difficult one isn't it and actually it's really interesting Catherine that you get that question a lot with weaning and portion sizes because it's exactly the same when it comes to mums starting out breastfeeding they really struggle with the fact that they can't see how much milk their baby's having in the same way you could with formula um, and it's exactly the same it's that trusting our bodies trusting our baby's bodies Um, to be intuitive you know most of us don't weigh our chicken breast do we and make sure that we're having exactly I don't know how much chicken breast weighs 150 grams for example um, of chicken breast and if if we were full after three quarters then we'd be quite happy with that and it's allowing our babies that same freedom which is a challenge but again it leads us to seeing beautiful food plates on Instagram and assuming that that child has eaten all of that broccoli and those sprouts and that roasted parsnip and that you know, lovely cooked seasoned steak. And and actually they probably have had like two mouthfuls and thrown the rest on the floor. Like the rest of our children, it's keeping it real, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah, really, really good point. Um, fabulous. Thank you, Pip. That's that's really useful to kind of hear some of your your experiences of weaning. Um, and I, I know we've talked a little bit about it already, but weaning can feel really overwhelming and daunting for a lot of parents. You know, routine changes, there's suddenly a lot more to contend with. Um, can I ask you what you found hardest about weaning with Finley? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And I think I think I think the hard thing in some aspects is the timing that it starts at because at six months you kind of start to feel like you're getting in a bit of a swing you've got a bit of a routine established I was really comfortable kind of breastfeeding out and about and I felt like we could kind of really start doing stuff and then it was a bit like oh now give them food and I was like what like we've nailed this we've got a routine it's all kind of figuring out and then it's like something new to add in which which is hard and I think definitely Definitely what I found was that pressure, that pressure I put on myself to make sure I was doing it in the right, in inverted commas, way. Um, and and it's and it's continued in reality because although I'm more relaxed in our approach, you know, when Finley's having a day when he doesn't really want to eat vegetables, thank you very much. He wants, you know, all inclusive access to the fruit bowl. And I'm like, please, can you just eat your vegetables? Because 
know you're still under two and I know that you're laying the kind of gut microbiome for the rest of your life and it's really frustrating um trying to take that pressure off is an ongoing thing and then setting those boundaries because Finley's gone through phases where he really doesn't want to sit in his high chair and that's obviously really difficult he doesn't want to be kind of strapped in so recognizing that one week you feel like you're really winning and celebrate that but actually we have to adapt as they adapt and kind of going with that flow it's it is forever changing you just about nail something and then they throw something else in the mix or they get ill and revert back or they've had one blueberry that wasn't as nice as the rest so all of a sudden blueberries are like the devil and you've just bought like five punnets because they really enjoyed them um so I think that really for me it's been that pressure of wanting to get it right which I think goes throughout all aspects of motherhood doesn't it beating ourselves up when it doesn't feel like it is and that forever changing those wins and then that kind of setback um I would say have been my biggest challenges at the beginning food throwing is if my husband was on this podcast his his answer would have been throwing food but um We've got better at that. I think we've got, we recognized actually when he was throwing food, he was finished. So we taught him sign language for finished. Now he does finish and we get him down. Regardless of whether we finished or not, he gets down and then he doesn't throw. Um, but that, that definitely would have been my husband's answer was food throwing. <laughs> uh, it's a roller coaster, isn't it? I think you've summed it up really nicely there, how it just, you know, the whole routine of that first year and, and beyond as well, but particularly, you know, routine is important, isn't it? And we get so focused on those routines, um, but it changes all the time. And it is just learning how to adapt and how to ride that roller coaster, basically. It's because the more stressed we get, the more pressure we put on, they 100% sense that, like they totally sense that. Um, and I think sometimes it's just, just recognizing the habits that we slip into. So, one of taking it back to the the real basics this morning we all sat around the table and all had the same breakfast together Finley had adult cutlery because that's what we had so that's what he wanted so fine you choose your battles um and just taking it back to those basics and making sure that that meal that that place at the table is really fun just make it fun if they don't eat they don't eat but make it fun so it's not then a battle and resistance and I think just bringing it back to those basics when it is a bit rocky really helps yeah Absolutely. That's great advice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And so enough about the negatives. Yeah. What was, what did you enjoy most about weaning? Oh, their little faces, isn't it? Catherine? Those little faces when they taste something that they really like and it's like, oh, like the excitement I love. I absolutely love. And, and cause we've taught Finney a little bit of sign language and I feel like we haven't told him to say nom, nom, nom for food, but that's just what he does. So he wakes up in the morning and he's like, nom, 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 nom. Um, and that's just really cute so cute and it's lovely isn't it you you when we've been out to like a restaurant for the first time and he sits there and it's all new and exciting and that whole exploration around food I just love those little faces even those facial expressions when they try something for the first time they're not sure of it's so cute isn't it so cute it makes up for the mess it does doesn't it and I was gonna say that you know not all the facial expressions are are, are nice ones and ones of enjoyment yeah. you know it's weaning is learning isn't it they're learning all about these new experiences sitting in a high chair can feel overwhelming putting on a bib can feel overwhelming but those tastes and textures can also feel really overwhelming and I think you know it's important for parents to recognize that those sort of look of disgust faces that we often get particularly with those those sort of vegetables and those bitter and savory foods that we talk about a lot in that early weaning stages <clears throat> you get those really strong disgust 
faces and it's understanding that that doesn't mean that they don't like it and they're never going to like it it's just that it's a very new experience for them so you know how can we reassure them how can we still make that a positive experience for them so that next time they feel feel confident in trying um but yeah the facial expressions are wonderful so much fun but I think society hasn't helped us has it because growing up we were we were always taught you know don't play with your food you mustn't play with your food and table manners were a big thing so I I certainly know sort of from a grandparent generation the idea of a child using their hands to eat food is like just how are you letting them do that so I think from a societal perspective actually we're, we're in a big time of change and for parents that's really tough um, and I think you know that covers so many aspects I you know speak on my podcast about things like safer sleeping that's changed drastically from a generational point of view even when we wean has changed you know how long we should breast for the recommendations around that have all changed so much in just one generation that and, and I don't think we'll ever see quite such a shift again but it means for parents of today it can be really tough in terms of that societal pressure and and kind of the well-meaning mother-in-laws and grandparents that might be around. Yeah, 100%. And also, you know, you've got to finish everything on your plate. That's yeah. a big one, isn't it? For the older kids, you know, they, you can't leave any food. You got to you got to you can't leave the table until your plate's clean. And again, you know, it's a huge shift in mindset. For us as parents, because I think that's probably what we were told a lot. But, you know, when when grandparents are there visiting, like, oh, they haven't eaten very much. Are you going to let them get down from the table? Um, so, yeah, that's it's a really good point that you raise. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Pip. It's been a pleasure speaking to you and hearing all about your um, fantastic weaning journey with Finlay. I really appreciate your your time and um, sharing your experiences with us. I just have one last question closing question for you if you don't mind and this is a question that we're asking all of our guests on the Raising Foodies podcast I would like to know what did you want to be when you were growing up and how does this differ to what you do now oh yeah I love this so I wanted to be a vet actually when I grew up so different but similar I suppose in some avenues um, and I and I took that all through GCSEs and A levels and had a place at vet school and then I just changed my mind wow what should I do maybe I'll be a midwife and somehow I got into midwifery because all my work experience was like lambing and animals um so yeah diverted to human babies rather than furry ones yeah oh that's exciting so you actually had a place at vet school and you were all set and ready to go yeah all good to go and then little little u-turn so yeah amazing nothing wrong with that (laughs) yeah Please, please that I made made change. Although we were walking past, there's a farm in the village we live in that has cows and they were having a calf yesterday. Um, And my husband was like, oh, it's okay. Pip's a midwife. And I was like, I don't think they really want my services. But um, (laughs) never know, you never know. (laughs) I'm sure you could have stepped in and done a good job. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Catherine. It's been great to chat. Pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you on. Thanks, Catherine.